The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's take our Bibles, if we would, this morning and turn to the New Testament passage of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, pick up again there today. And while you're turning there, 1 Thessalonians 4, I just want to say, well, isn't the music wonderful today? Praise God for that. What a, what a wonderful time of worship together. So thankful for that. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I, as you can see, of course, the stations are out. We'll take the Lord's Supper here in a little while in our service. But I was thinking about how best to work through this passage. Originally, I had said earlier this week in the email that we would, uh, we would do chapter 4, verse 13, all the way through chapter 5, verse number 11. But I think what I'll do is just uh, begin in verse 13 in a minute or so and just teach my way down. And I'll get as far as I can before we uh, take the Lord's Supper. And, and uh, whatever I'm not able to, to cover, then you can just read up on that. But you should know that this is not two separate passages This is one passage together, and it goes from verse number 13 of chapter number 4 through verse number 11 of chapter number 5, and if you just read verse 13 to 18 of chapter 4 and call it quits, you have missed the entire point of the passage. So in your own time, I'd like for you to read that whole section together. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, let me just read verse uh, 13 through 18, that paragraph first, and then I'll come back and uh, we'll talk about it. So, beginning reading in verse number 13, it says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as, uh, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not proceed or go before those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then look at this passage for a few minutes. Our Father, we love you so much. And uh, what beautiful songs to sing today. And there will come a time when you will come again for your people. And until that day, Lord, help us to live faithful, God-honoring, holy lives. Help us to take the gospel around the world and to our next-door neighbors. And Lord, help us always to keep our eye open for the coming. Remembering and hoping and believing that one day, just as you came the first time as the babe in the manger, so you will come again as the Lord and the line of the tribe of Judah, who will uh, dispatch with all that is evil and establish all that is righteous. And we shall rule and reign with you, and our loved ones we shall see again. I pray this morning that your people would be deeply encouraged today, both in our own lives and the way that we live, and for all of us today who have lost, we've been touched in some way, whether in the last week, month, year, or decade, or maybe even farther than that, but in some way we've been touched by the loss of a loved one, 
who has gone on to be with you in glory, may our hearts rejoice today. Maybe some would rejoice even with tears in their cheeks, knowing that you are a good God and we shall see them again. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let's walk back through these verses and I'll take it apart for you the best I know how and then I'll give you a few words of application. Notice in verse number 13, he begins by saying, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. Now, I heard one preacher say one time that the largest denomination in the world is uninformed brethren, all right? Now, we don't want to, we don't want to be like that and that's not really what this passage is dealing with. And what's happening here is the Apostle Paul is writing back to Thessalonica, the church there, and they have had a question. They're saying, hey, has the second coming of Jesus happened? Did we miss it? Did we miss the coming of the Lord? And what about our loved ones who have died? Those ones that we care for so deeply and they've passed on and we've had their burial and we we miss them. What happens to them at the coming of the Lord Jesus? And so the Apostle Paul writes in such a loving and a brotherly and a kindly and a shepherding kind of way. He says, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren. What does he not want them to be uninformed about? Look at what it says about those who are asleep. Now you'll notice that in verse number 14, the end of verse number 14, he says again, those who are asleep in Jesus. And then look at the end of verse number 15, those who have fallen asleep. And then notice at the end of verse number 16, he he goes ahead and calls them and the dead in Christ will rise first. Brothers and sisters, I would have you to know today that more than uh, three or four times in this one passage, the apostle Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant brethren, or I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. And that is the New Testament writer's way. That's the Apostle Paul's way of saying that when somebody dies in Jesus Christ, it is almost a softer term to say they are asleep. They're they're really not totally dead in the way that you would think about it. It's not as if there's no hope. It's not as if it has been cataclysmic or they have been wasted away and they are in the dust and there's nothing left. Noah is saying, listen, those who are our loved ones who have passed on in Christ, they are sleeping in Jesus. Jesus told Mark, Martha, he that believes on me shall never die. And I would say for our loved ones, when they came to the point of earthly death, when the body shuts down, right at the last very moment for those who are believing, right as the death angel comes to take away the body of this earthly life, the Bible teaches that those who believe in Christ shall never die and their spirit goes to live with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and one day He will bring them back again so that they may be raised in their body to newness of life and we might be reunited with our brothers and sisters who have gone on to be with Christ Jesus. Amen, church? You ought to be thankful today for what God has done. Look what he says here. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about our loved ones who are asleep. And why doesn't he want us to be uninformed? So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Notice here that he doesn't say that you don't grieve at all. I've known some people that when uh, somebody passes away, oh, don't cry, don't cry, they're in heaven. I want you to understand that it's an all right thing for you to cry when somebody passes on to glory. When we cry, what we are saying is that dear one had an impact in my life so much so that there's a hole, there's a void there, and I miss them. But get the point of the text. We We don't grieve as those that have no hope. 
You see, the great hope for all of us here today, for those who have gone on before, is that we will see them again because they are alive and well with Jesus Christ, there with Him in glory. Look at verse number 14. You might have something that says, for if, if it's a conditional, or I might say, for since we believe, or for if we believe, then notice here the gospel in a nutshell. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now there's a ton more to the gospel than that, but that's the gospel in the nutshell, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to the earth, born of the virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, was raised on the third day, ascended into heaven, coming again from glory. And if you have to sum all that up in one thing, that Jesus died and rose again. You see, we don't sorrow as those that have no hope for our loved ones that have gone on to heaven. Why? Because we have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, did you see that uh, in uh, quotation marks in the one song that we sing? They put that very phrase there. Even so, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep and then notice the prepositional phrase that ends the sentence. It goes back to the gospel. In Jesus. You see, the, the fulcrum here, the middle point of all of this, is that we have hope in the resurrection. We have hope in the return of Christ. We don't sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because we have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because He went down into the grave and rose up out of the grave. Because Jesus lives, we shall live. And if we have victory in Christ, so do our loved ones who have gone on before us in Christ. I'm not sure why I'm in fifth gear today other than I just love this passage. So y'all, y'all hang on tight, all right? I'll preach fast, you listen fast. Look at, verse number, look at verse number 15 now. He's going to describe to you the coming of the Lord. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. You see, it's a sound word. It's, a, it's the word of God. It's the word of the Lord. Not just merely the words of Paul, but the words of the divine Savior. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Notice that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not proceed or go before those who have fallen asleep. You see, our brothers and sisters who have died in Christ and they are with Him right now in heaven, when God comes again, when the Lord Jesus comes back again, we don't go before them. We don't get any special privileges for being alive and remaining. No, in fact, those brothers and sisters, they get to have first place. God will bring with them those who have gone on before and they will be raised to newness in life first and then we which are alive and remain, we'll get there in a minute, we'll be caught up together with them. So notice here, we don't perceive those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord Himself... Uh, you know what, I just point application. Hey, listen, don't, don't you ever worry about a loved one in your life who loved Jesus and has passed on, or some faithful saint in life. You say, man, they passed on many, many years ago and, and, and not much is said about them anymore. And you know, sometimes they seem to be forgotten. God doesn't forget anybody. Amen? Amen. Those that have gone before, right? We are not going to precede them. Just because we're alive and remaining at the coming of God, doesn't matter how many books you've written, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how special you are, God remembers all of His beloved saints. Verse number 16. Notice here the description. For the Lord Himself. Aren't you glad it's Him and not an angel? Aren't you glad it's Him and not some welcoming wagon? No, for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven. And no, notice that verse number 16 is the loudest verse in the entire Bible. 
For the Lord Himself will descend with a shout. The word shout here means the voice of command. It is not just like hooping and hollering down the aisles. This is an Old Testament uh, uh, picture here of the king coming to the country that he owns and commanding authority. He owns it all and he walks in with a shout. With the shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And when Christ does that, notice what happens. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then notice verse number 17. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let me teach verse 17 just for a moment. Uh, I'm kind of teaching and preaching today here, so hold on with me. Let me show you verse number 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Do you see that phrase, caught up together? Uh, And you might have heard the term before in your Christian life, the word rapture. The word rapture is actually not in the Bible. It's a Latin phrase, but it comes and it's it's an accurate phrase from this word here that means to be snatched out or caught up or drawn up, okay? So notice here it says, those who are alive and remain with them will be called up together with them. Now don't miss that. With our brothers and sisters that have gone before, now we're together with them, and now we're going to meet Jesus. And notice what it says, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice you might want to circle the word meet there. It actually means a meeting, to go to a meeting. And the word meeting here in this verse is only used two other times in the, in the New Testament. It's used once in Luke chapter number 26, verse 25, verse number 6, where Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, the five who are ready for His coming and the five who were not ready for His coming. And in verse number 6 it says this, that when the bridegroom comes, He'll say, come out to meet me. And those who are ready go outside of the city to meet the bridegroom. And then it says, and they come into the city together. This same word is used one other time in Acts chapter number 28 when the Apostle Paul is going to make his way to Rome. And the Bible says that as he was making his way to Rome, that the brothers came as far out as the taverns. I guess maybe there were some taverns there they liked to drink. No, I'm just messing with you. All right. Comes as far as the taverns to meet him. And to bring him back into the city of Rome. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, what's going on here? Possibly, and there's, uh, y'all know, there's different ways of understanding this. Today I'm just preaching you uh, what I think the Scripture is teaching this. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up, that is, snatched out of this world, called up to meet the Lord in the air, just like those five virgins went out of the city to meet the Lord and bring Him back as the reigning King, just as the brothers went outside of the city to meet the Apostle Paul and bring Him back, I don't think this is saying that we meet the Lord in the air and go on back up that way. No, I think it's saying that we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and to come back with Him as He rules and reigns and establishes His kingdom. Notice what it says here. To meet the Lord where? Tell me, church, where are we going to meet Him? Did you know that the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air? 
Isn't it awesome that when Jesus comes back, He beats the devil on His home court? Game seven, he goes into the devil's arena and defeats him in the air, and we meet him there and usher him back as the king, reigning king. Now you say, wait a second, I, I was thinking maybe that I was thinking maybe that we might meet him in the air and then go to heaven, and there's a whole bunch of other things. And, and certainly, listen, there are good brothers and sisters, and there are great writings, and so you ought to you ought to work on this through yourself and just take a, a lot of years and a lot of reading. And there's many ways to look at this. I'm just helping you today to see what I think it says. What I, what I believe the Bible says. Let me say one other thing, then we'll move uh, into some application. In the book of the Acts, when Jesus uh, ascends into heaven, the Bible says that the disciples were standing there, and in the Steve version, it says that their jaws were dropped to the ground as Jesus ascended into heaven. And there's two angels that are there, and they say, do you all remember this passage? They say to the disciples, why stand, here's my old King James English when I grew up, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. When the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven, he didn't get halfway up and take a detour. He didn't get halfway up and come back down and go back up again and come a little bit higher. And he, he wasn't a floating balloon. Jesus ascended into heaven. And the angel said, this same Jesus will descend. He will come again just as you've seen him go into heaven. So brothers and sisters, what I think is going on in this passage in the book of 1 Thessalonians is not somehow that we meet him in the air and then go somewhere else. He's on his way to descend back to the earth the same way that the angel said the disciples would see you go. I do believe in a rapture. I do believe in a snatching out. I just don't think that it's a snatching out for us to go somewhere else. I think it's a snatching out to meet the Lord in the air. Did you know that where it says to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air? Did you know that all throughout the entire Bible, there is all these mentioning of the meetings of the clouds. And whenever you see this, it's almost always having to do with the very presence of God. So when you're reading the book of the Exodus in the Old Testament, and they go to the top of Mount Sinai, and it's filled with clouds up there, right? It's because it's the presence of God. When you look at the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter goes up there and all of a sudden he, 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 uh, Jesus is revealed in His glory, the Bible says that it was in clouds there because it was in the very presence of the divine God. To meet the Lord in the air and the clouds does not mean that you're going to be little babies plunking on harps on pillowy white clouds. It simply means that you will forever and ever and ever with your loved ones who have died in Christ, be reunited with them. You'll hug them so hard. You want to, you want to, know, the kind, you want to know the kind of love, the kind of love you're going to give the Lord and each other? Uh, nah, listen, little James, sometimes I'll tell him, I'm glad that he doesn't understand what Daddy's saying. Sometimes I'll say, James, I want to hug you so hard your head pops off. That's really weird, and I'm glad that he doesn't understand what daddy's saying. But if you ever just wanted to squeeze somebody so hard, you just loved them that much? Of course you have. And those that have died in Christ will come back. And you'll see them in their glorified bodies the way that God intended them to be. And together, 
we will ascend out of this dirty world to meet the King of Kings as He is coming back. And He will dispel with the powers of darkness and we'll meet Him in the air as He's coming back to reign. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What's the last verse say? Wherefore, because of this truth, comfort one another with these words. I want to go, with everything that's in me, I want to go on and teach you chapter number 5, but I feel like the Spirit of the Lord would have us remain here for just a minute. Let me say a few words of application to us, and then I think it would be appropriate on this day that we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this until I come. Right. Here's a few points of application. Let me just say this about chapter 5. The very next question that you ought to have, when is this going to happen? When is Christ going to come like this with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God? When is this going to happen? Chapter 5, verse number 1. As of the times and seasons when this is going to happen, what I'm just, not a different subject, not seven years, when is this going to happen? The times and seasons, you have no need that anybody teach you, for the Lord will come. Let me say this to you. Here's a first point of application. Everyone who dies in Jesus Christ will be raised in Jesus Christ. Amen? So I say to all of us today as a church, if you're in this room and you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, keep living for Him, loving Him, walk all the way to the end of your life, trusting in Jesus Christ. And when you come close to the death's door and you're a little shaky and a little nervous and things are a little chaotic, you bank on this. Those who live in Jesus Christ and die in Jesus will be raised in Christ again. Maybe a, maybe a second point from this passage would be this. The comfort that this truth gives is not merely for the future. It's for the present day. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, whatever's going on in your heart, whatever aches, whatever pains, whatever troubling, whatever trial, whatever's going on in your life, you remind yourself that this Lord Jesus will reign over all the world that there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. There is no government, no nation, no personality that will ever rule and reign over Jesus Christ. He's coming again, and that should bring you comfort in the present moment. Maybe here's a last application for you. If this is true, and those who don't know Jesus will have no hope. And the next chapter says they will, like sudden destruction is going to come upon them when He comes. If that is true, are you actively sharing the gospel with somebody who's lost? Are you even praying for lost people? Have you spoken to your neighbor about Jesus? I would encourage you to use this passage not only as great comfort, but great impetus to tell all the world about the saving knowledge of Jesus. Because there will come a day when Christ will descend, and for those who believe, 
It will be the most marvelous, wonderful day in the world as we rule and reign for Him. But if you read chapter 5, you will find out for those who do not believe in Him, it will be the most awful time that you can possibly imagine. Destruction will come upon a world of unbelieving people. I say to you, let your focus be on the glory of God and the good of the people of the world by sharing the truth of the gospel of Jesus with them. Hey, in the days to come, give me one minute, in the days to come, you're going to be tempted to walk down all kinds of side angles and side tracks and get lost down rabbit holes. And none of those things matter. What matters the most is that every week of your life you live to the glory of God and the betterment of the world by sharing the gospel. And if you'll live your life to God's glory, honoring Him and loving Him, and you'll do everything you can to pray for and witness to and bring in this place lost people that don't know Christ, I promise you, you'll be much better off than if you chase down all of these preferences and ideas and rabbit trails. The unifying power behind every church is the glory of God and the gospel of Christ. Let that be said of you here. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? In just a moment, I'll give some instructions. I'll pray and we'll give some instructions about the Lord's Supper. We'll move into that time. Right where you are, I want to say to you right now, if you're in this room, maybe you're visiting or you've been here a while, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, He loves you. And He died for you and He rose again. And this truth, this truth will change your life right where you are. Confess your sin and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life and He'll save you and change you. For the rest of us in this room, I, I pray today that you walk out of here encouraged that those who you love who have gone on, it is not the end and they are not forgotten and you will see them again and you'll be with them forever with Jesus. Now you walk out of here today And you live out that truth until He comes again. Giving God glory with your life and sharing the truth with unbelievers. Invite them to come. Invite them to hear the gospel. You know you're going to get it every week here. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Let me pray for us and then we'll enter in upon this time together. Our Lord, we love you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. All that our hearts would be stirred by the coming of Jesus. Regardless where we land on all of these things, the fact of the matter is, you are coming again. And when you do, it will be bliss and glory for every believer. And it will be the total ruin of those who are not believers. And so we pray, God, help us to rejoice and be hopeful and thankful today that you're coming. And at the same time, to be stirred deep within our hearts, to go out of here today and all week long look for people to invite to church. Lord, we ought to show up next week with with a number of visitors. 
giddy with excitement inside, not even showing them, but just, just excited that maybe, just maybe, they might hear the, the gospel and the, that it would break through their heart and save them, Lord. Help us to share, to give, to go, to do everything that we can to bring glory to You and the gospel to others. And we'll love You and thank You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.